Next Chapter Podcasts. I'm Michael Goodfriend. As head of scripted fiction at Next Chapter Podcasts, I'm always looking for a good story. And I found one in an old friend of mine who I met when I was a kid in Wisconsin 35 years ago. I used to know him as Jerry. Now he's Lama Tupten Rinpoche. Every Friday morning for 10 weeks in a row, I tried to learn how that happened. These are my mornings with Rinpoche. If you have a question or comment you'd like to share, my email address is michael at ncpodcasts.com. Exactly, yeah. Can we do this? Um, as I was thinking this morning before we actually, as we have started, and it's in line with what you just said, make yourself comfortable comfortable, but pay attention if you happen to be in your car or doing some other type of work. Or maybe you have a luxury of sitting in a chair, having breakfast, or sitting on your couch, or just walking around. Take a breath in through the nose and release with an ah sound out your mouth. And again, breathe in. And one more time, breathe in. And now just pay attention to breathing in through your nose, breathing out through your nose. And I have the thought, I am calmly breathing in, and I am calmly breathing out. With clarity in my mind, I breathe in, and with clarity in my mind, I breathe out. I breathe in with calmness and clarity, and I breathe out with calmness and clarity. I am breathing in, I am breathing out. I am at peace and harmony and happiness and love within. Listen to the sound for a moment. You can open your eyes, close your eyes, maybe become still and just listen. And again, take a breath in, breathing out. Where did the sound go? Into the great expanse of space and stillness. Our consciousness, awareness has expanded into space and its innate stillness is ever present. Recognized. Then we have the thought, may all beings recognize this quality and self-arising loving kindness and compassion comes forth spontaneous by the light of a star. Mm-hmm.
Good morning, bonjour, monsieur, madame, Evan, and all of the little doggies and cats. <laughs> okay, now we can begin. Perfect. I wanted to ask you, we were talking about your story, your story, which is so incredible. And we got to about, oh, I don't know, um, you had been deep in your training in martial arts uh, and had found Lamakatsi. Is that the right place? Right? Um, and I'm just curious, two things that I want to know what happened next uh, and how did you become uh, involved in movement? I know you've done mime and buto and many other things, but I'm also curious because you asked us what our dream is. I thought to myself, I wonder what then Jerry, now Rinpoche's dream was at that time where we left off. Just again, some background as you're asking the question. In starting in the fourth grade, I began uh, playing music. And probably from the fourth grade until my second year at the university, I, I played timpani, uh, clarinet, and saxophone. And, and I remember living in Long Island, in Roosevelt, Long Island, and uh, Roosevelt Elementary School, Mr. Blank. And I would, we would, he was very strict. And I would go into this little cubicle, one of those little soundproof things. And I would practice, it seems like every day for uh, an hour and, uh, and more when I would go home. But as I thought back, it was very much like being in, med it was my meditation. Really, it was my salvation, to tell you the truth. Um, so it really starts, I think, with my introduction to music. And when you say what my dream was, I wanted to be in an orchestra. And I, I still, and I grew up listening to classical music and all the great composers, my heroes, right? And I always wondered where that genius came from, a, a Mozart, a Beethoven, a Braun, Liszt. And uh, Horowitz, you know, you ever seen uh, Vladimir Horowitz? He and the piano were inseparable. But anyway, so that leads me coming forth and then somehow getting involved and obviously being in the, in the music world and also that takes you into dance. So then I became, I was enamored um, probably from the time I was in junior high school uh, in New York City and then high school, uh, I wanted to study the ballet. Well, living in Bedford-Stuyvesant, <laughs> you don't go around saying you want to study ballet. <laughs> so I think the closest I could get and still stay probably a lot of was to study the martial arts because obviously, and we talked about before, the necessity to protect oneself. And to be part of a different gang, I thought, a more positive gang. And uh, with Sergeant Green, Master Green. So my, you know, he said my dream was to be involved in the arts. 
And so I guess the closest I came at that point was martial arts. And I did approach it to master, to perfect it, to be present. I can sort of still see myself sitting on that wooden floor in the rows. We had maybe there were maybe 20, 30 students and we were very disciplined. You sit, Cesar, you don't move until master tells you, then up, you jump to your feet. So the dream was whatever you do, be present in the doing of it and take, I use the word pride in excelling above mediocrity. My joke to my students is we die of mediocrity. We strive to be so ordinary and we accept it. I didn't want to be like that. I was always a little bit out of place uh, in, uh, in my neighborhood. And then uh, my dream, as you said, and how do I move from one of these things, it was this relentless, I think, and sort of being driven to excel at something, to master something, you know, like the, again, going back to the great dancers and the great musicians and you know, whatever they were, it's classical and I, you know, listen to jazz, looking at that. And we still see those who desire to excel beyond mediocrity to arrive at extraordinariness, which I still do and feel I have fallen so short, but not to judge myself, to continue to strive to be the best as I told my students yesterday. My purpose is to inspire you to be the best human being that you can. And in being the best human being, to be filled and radiate loving kindness and compassion. So this is the basic message, loving kindness and compassion and harmony and caring for other human beings, including yourself. So when you ask me what's the dream, that is the dream when you live in, a, in a, an environment that is volatile and uh, violent and a struggle, how do you survive? You have to go inside and decide, I believe, who are you going to be as a human being? I think we still see this today this inability to be a good human being, starting with ourselves and then expressing that um, out uh, to others. So it's not so much that it's the disciplines, as I told again, Tai Chi students, these disciplines are merely the vehicles to arrive at these uh, deeper sort of subterranean qualities that we wanna bring up to the surface, like a volcano, erupting or a beautiful flower blossoming. I want to be like that beautiful flower that blossoms and these other things that you mentioned, I think looking back in retrospect, they're merely vehicles. Granted, they have maybe some value and uh, sharing them with an audience to bring joy to them, maybe to allow them to be in the present moment to forget uh, the troubles, especially of these challenging times, to transport them into 
looking deeper into themselves, where they began to create and fashion their own dreams and create their realities. Punching and kicking and jumping around and playing music and for the moment is wonderful. What do you take away from it? Is what I ask myself. So even getting up this morning and thinking what Michael may ask me about the dreams and my journey. So these are the things that are sort of spontaneously just coming up. How did I arrive at what I'm doing presently? Um, did I decide that I was going to be teacher? Well, in the eighth grade, I guess one teacher, somehow I wound up in the principal's office. No, you know, and, and you know, the, the proverbial guidance principal office. And it wasn't that I had done anything wrong. I was in the classroom. Two incidences happened when I was in junior high school that I remember. I was sitting in the classroom doing my, doing my work and all of a sudden I was being pummeled. Snatched out of my seat, was beating on me. I was trying to protect myself. And he's yelling, someone told me you said something about my mother. I didn't even know who he was. So I got beat up for nothing because who knows, I looked like someone else and it was quite interesting. So that was one incident. Another incident, I was in the boys' bathroom and this person came in and had a knife. I'm gonna cut you. I took off running. And it was those, one of those bathrooms, maybe you, in, in the city where, you know, you had the stalls, the urinals, and they were sort of in a circle. So I started running around and running around and trying to get away from him. And I must have slipped on some water and I, bam, I hit the corner of one of the stalls. The next thing I remember is a man in a white coat standing me over me going, how many fingers? <laughs> I was knocked unconscious. I had like, I don't know, six or seven. I, if you, I still have this, it was the opening of my third eye. <laughs> anyway, I, I had split my head open and I was knocked unconscious. It saved my life because I'm sure um, being knocked out, bleeding on the floor, deterred this individual, which I never, I never knew who he was. But I remember these two moments, uh, one, and as a result, on one of those incidences, I wound up in the, in the uh, principal's office or the counselor's office, and he said, you have an interesting life. You're going to be an imbecile. My joke is, what? Did he say imbecile? <laughs> so I, look, I actually had to go look up the word because eighth, ninth grade, I don't know what this imbecile, what's an imbecile? And then I translated to this day, the emissary is that which comes before. What is it that comes before? It is the one who invites us into the tent, the big tent. It is the barker who stands outside and beats the drum. So I'm just the one who's beating the drum and says, come into the tent to see the show. <laughs> what is the show? The show is the unfolding of our life. So the dream again is how to live, how to live a full life. So I'm, again, you ask questions that I may not answer in, in the way that you have posed them, 
but they lead me into this, what I call metaforming of unpacking my realities and why. So anyway, maybe ask me another question if this has made any sense. It does make sense. I wonder, listening to you tell your story and, and knowing how things impacted you to really set you on the course that you're on, that you have been on as a, a seeker, it, it makes me wonder if too many people just have it too easy, born into comfort, live in comfort, and die in comfort. Yeah. So there's nothing that propels or puts pressure on a person to choose life or death in the same way that it sounds like life really hit you with these life or death situations over and over and over again. You kept getting smacked around, it sounds like, in your childhood, in a sense, cosmically. Yes. And it's it really spurred you onto this path. I wonder how we who live in comfort, which is a great many of us, how do we substitute our comfort for the type of discomfort that's needed to put us on a path of awakening? This is really good work, the path of awakening from great struggle can come, I think the highest of the evolution of our humanness or of our being. And one of my teachers in, uh, in the monastery in Nepal, he says, he was talking about Western culture. He says, one thing wonderful about Western culture is you have so much freedom, but you have no discipline. And again, I was just reading last Monday, the teacher, one great uh, Lama, Lama Yeshe. You really want to know the strength of your practice is revealed when difficulty arises and how we navigate through challenging times and develop a perception and a perspective and an awareness that we can see a path through. For me, I was somehow fortunate is to have this uh, concept of regardless of what may occur, I will survive. This may not be relevant, and this is maybe a little bit off color, but I had one teacher, he talked about how, how we were, and, and all people have, had a, have been sold in and out of slavery to some degree. But it was talking about, and again, my history of cultural and historical things is quite low, but the longships of how slaves, how people of indigenous countries, whether they were of what color, but we can say for our culture of, of, of black or African-American or whatever you want to call me now, is sort of always a, a quandary. But you can imagine, can you imagine if this is how it actually happened, 
row after row of individuals chained together, lying on a wooden ship where they ate, defecated, slept, threw up, and just moving back and forth on that journey. How many survived? And this particular philosopher says, you know, you know the song, only the strong survive. So as a kid, I thought knowing this and having grown up in Selma, Alabama to a degree on doing that period of intense racial injustice, which we still are enduring, is the genes and the DNA to survive through hardship, we're hardwired, it's in there. Because, but that's for every species. Again, that's the law of nature. We see it happening now. Those who have the strongest genome, perhaps, or strongest uh, spiritual, emotional constitution, regardless of the situation, they survive. It's like an old Monty Python movie. The legs are gone, the arms are gone. You go, come on, that's the best you got. <laughs> and even as a kid, um, and I still to this day, like Lear, to rail at the universe. That's the best you got. Come on. Somewhere, I don't know, high school, I think, before I went to Lawton, Oklahoma, this idea I had, the worst that you can do to me is kill me. So therefore, do not fear death. And if you do not fear death, what can they do to you? Because that is the ultimate, is to remove you, is to uh, capitate your ideas, your mind. Having been put in a, a jail cell, and in that jail cell, you cannot imprison my mind. That's the most dangerous thing, isn't it? It's to develop your mind. And once we know you cannot imprison my mind, you cannot kill my mind, but you can destroy my body. And I must come to terms with that. Maybe a little bit, a little bit. I would like to think as we contemplate our own mortality, that we come to terms with it, with a certain embracing it, and then you're free. If you no longer fear the ultimate thing that can happen to a life form is death, then you're free to live. So the question really comes down to, and I still say, each person in their own way, live with passion, embrace this life. Maybe don't be afraid to cry, laugh and appropriately be angry and make a little mess sometimes. So that at the end of your life, you can say, I lived, I experienced. What would it be like to go through your life and never cry, never laugh, never see the smile of your children? You have children. How many times have you just looked at your children with delight? And at the next moment, they're doing something that drives you crazy. But at the heart of that is the love you have for them. But you can't have love for them if you don't have love for yourself.
So, and I do still think about this constant struggle, the struggle to exist as a human being. I am not your label. You do, I will not give you the right to justify and validate my existence in this multiverse. That is a great gift for each one of us. That was My Mornings with Rinpoche, with Lama Tumten Rinpoche and me, Michael Goodfriend. Our sound designer is Tay Blow, with additional sound design and composition by John Gasper. Our engineer is Adam Bernard. If you have anything you'd like to share in the way of a question or comment for me or Rinpoche, my email address is michael at ncpodcasts.com. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L at N as in next, C as in chapter, podcasts with an S at the end, dot com. I'd love to hear from you. And if there's a way to incorporate your messages into upcoming episodes of the series, I'll make sure it happens. And I'll let you know. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends. Rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It really makes a difference, and it helps us know who's listening. Visit our website, ncpodcast.com, to learn more about all our shows. Next Chapter Podcasts.